Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year, a job that is getting much, much easier. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. So I'm going to be honest, guys, as we get going, I was not very excited to do this movie, but I got obsessed with researching it and uh, I'm looking forward to the talk. What movie are we talking about, Tom? We are talking about 1984's Gremlins, which was, interestingly enough, released the same day as Ghostbusters. So, Julia, do you want to read the synopsis for us? Absolutely. Three rules. Billy had only three rules for the Mogwai. An early Christmas present from his father bought at a super shady Chinese curiosity shop. Do not expose it to bright lights or sunlight, which will kill it. Do not let it get wet and never feed it after midnight. When Billy can't follow these very simple rules, the cuddly little gizmo spawns an army of demons that wreak havoc on Kingston Falls, leaving a trail of bodies and damage in their wake. Good synopsis. Did you write that, Tom? I did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that there's a time I don't remember this movie. Gizmo was so super cute in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Julia can attest, we all wanted the little Gizmo dolls. They had them. It was definitely marketed towards kids. Um, when I did see the movie, it was not at all as cute and cuddly as I had thought it would be. Because um, I remember I remember Gizmo before I saw the movie. And I remember in the movie, I'm like, what? What is happening here? I mean, uh, it kind of blew my mind. And it's a movie I don't think I've probably watched since the uh, mid-80s, to be perfectly honest, until uh, today. How about you, Julia? So... I've never not known this movie to be around, but I realized today when I watched it, I've never seen this movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it apparently, but when I was watching it, I was like, I remember none of this except for a few bits and pieces. So that was interesting. Um, (laughs) I feel like lots of 80s movies are like that for me. Um, But I mean, it's a Steven Spielberg movie, so I had a lot of fun watching it. Written by Chris Columbus, too. Yeah, right? So I'm really excited to talk about it this week. About you, Anthony. Did you see it when you were, after it had been out for 10 years, when you were six years old? So so my history with this movie is I remember vividly the VHS box for the second Gremlins, which... Uh, over this first one. Um, and it had one of the uh, gremlins themselves on it, not one of the Mogwai. <laughs> yeah, it had, I don't know if Spike's in the second one or not. I haven't seen Gremlins 2 or not, but he looked like him. And he was sitting in a, like a chair overlooking Manhattan. So I remembered that box vividly growing up. Um, it's funny, like you just described that box and I knew exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, I have that memory. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, I mean, it was a memorable image, clearly. But um, I think I saw Gremlins 2 first, actually. That one was definitely more family-friendly. Not that this one isn't, but that one was a lot more slapsticky. But I saw this movie pretty young, and I really liked this movie growing up. Gizmo was cute. I really liked him. And it was a, you know, a kid on an adventure with his cute pet. And his dog, too. So, and oh, I love, love this dog. dog. I do, too. And, and his cute girlfriend. So I was a big fan of this movie growing up. I haven't seen it in years. I'm aware. I was aware it was still around. You know, a few years ago, you see the commercials for the new gizmo version of Furby. 
which mm-hmm. I feel is, is very meta because Furby had to have been inspired by Gremlins. He just had, <laughs> but, um, and I have a gizmo ornament in a Santa hat for my Christmas tree. But yeah, this is the first time I've watched it in years and I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. I am too. Well, let's do real quick. I'll do the obligatory uh, credits. It was written by Chris Columbus. We've discussed extensively in previous episodes. It was directed by Joe Dante, who did Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Small Soldiers, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Um, Steven Spielberg is the producer, and he almost chose Tim Burton because he really liked Tim Burton's short films. But he was concerned that Tim Burton had not yet directed a full-length film, so he passed Tim Burton up and went with Joe Dante. And then Tim Burton went on to do Batman. Good. Could you imagine a Tim Burton Gremlins? I feel like it would have been a little bit creepier. Well, I think it would have had a, I think it would have been a hot R, hard R, and would not be anywhere near family friendly. I think that scene, I read about a scene they had originally in the script where the Gremlins go into McDonald's and start eating people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim Burton oh would have had that. Tim Burton would yeah. have kept that. Yeah. That would have been so Tim Burton. Right? With like the plastic artificial colors of McDonald's and the darkness of gremlins eating people inside of it. Oh, yeah. 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 I want to watch that movie. So the cast, uh, Zach Galligan plays Billy Peltzer. Uh, He was in some ABC after school specials. He returned to Gremlins 2, was in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. And then he had a lot of guest appearances on TV shows like Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Love Boat, Star Trek Voyager, Seventh Heaven, Law and Order, Criminal Intent. Phoebe Cates played Kate Beringer, his love interest. I really remembered her from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't know if you guys were big fans of that movie but I sure was Mm -hmm. and drop dead Fred, which I also remember Um, Mm -hmm. Hoyt Axton played Billy's dad, Randall Rand Peltzer. He's an Oklahoma boy from Duncan, Oklahoma and had a, he had some roles in TV shows like growing pains and in the heat of the night, he was in a big civil war miniseries and on the murder. She wrote different strokes and bonanza. And I found this interesting. He wrote joy to the world for four dog night. You know, that song. Yeah. Joy to the world. That one? Yep. And that song, oh, I, I was just amazed at how many movies and, and shows Christmas and uh, Christmas, like TV show Christmas episodes it's been in. Uh, that song has been featured in Last Man on Earth, Sausage Party, I Zombie, For the Love of Money, Four Christmases, Tropic Thunder, My Name is Earl, Malcolm in the Middle, American Idol, X-Files, 29 Days, Sex in the City, Forrest Gump, Encino Man, Roger and Me, Designing Women, and The Big Chill. And that's just... <laughs> That's a condensed list. So um, <laughs> Hoyt definitely left his mark in uh, on TV. Frances Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer. She played Marty McFly's mom's mom on Back to the Future. She was in Footloose, Stand By Me, Patch Adams, Scream, and had guest appearances on TV shows like Diagnosis Murder, Father Dowling Mysteries, Dallas, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, Bob Newhart Show, The Rockford Files, Three's Company, and St. Elsewhere. For any of you born in the 80s, Corey Feldman needs no introduction. He played Pete Fontaine. Um, he was in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, Stand By Me, The Lost Boys, The Bergs. I did not know he was the voice of Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wow. 1, 3, and the cartoon. I didn't either. He was in Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood. Um, and he was in The Fox and the Hound as one of the voices. So, And last, Howie Mandel is the voice of Gizmo. <laughs> I did I, not know that. I right? really loved his dramatic reading of bright light, bright light. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, this, this movie, the more I learned, the more I started researching, the, the bigger the rabbit hole went. Uh, uh, I do feel we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that a Christmas movie alum is also in this movie. And that would be judge Reinhold as Gerald Hopkins. Oh, yeah. He was, he yes. was, he had a small part, right? Right, he did. He was. Um, he worked at the bank and was a total, total jerk. Yeah, he was. A far cry from Neil. A far cry from the kind, yes. patient Neil. Um, but I did laugh when I saw him, and he was <laughs> bullying Billy, talking about how much money he was making at twenty-three. <laughs> okay, he did not look twenty-three. Maybe he was. He didn't look. Um. All right, so. The movie opens, and we see Billy's dad, Rand, following some 
young Asian boy into a scary, sketchy alley and going down into a curio shop run by this boy's grandfather. And I mean, there's weird stuff in here. His dad tries pitching the old man a travel kit that has everything you need when you travel. And um, he comes across a mogway, which uh, in Cantonese is like a devil or demon. Um, and the grandfather refuses to sell it to him. He says it takes too much responsibility. Uh, grandson decides, hey, money's money. He sells it to him and gives him the three rules that Julia read. Rand takes the the who becomes Gizmo home, and uh, that's how we start our movie. Um, I was remarkably surprised by how uh, little re how little shocked reaction people had when meeting Gizmo. That this strange foreign creature, like what the heck is this thing? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's an entirely new species. Let me buy it and take it home for my son. Yeah, no, 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 no for a picture with it. This is what I wanted for my son. Also, the eighties was were a different time. The blatantly racist stereotype of the grandfather. Yes. <laughs> Lord, it was wow. Um, it felt blatantly racist. So let's go through and discuss what we liked and didn't like about the movie. And I want to kick that off with one thing I do do have to say about this film. It feels like Christmas. It does everywhere you look, it looks like Christmas. They chose wonderful Christmas music throughout the entire film. Even during creepy scenes, it would be like a really slowed down, pitched down Christmas song. But everything in it was definitely a, a Christmas vibe and feel, which... Well, well, even after uh, that opening scene with the grandfather, like kind of to, to, to transition from that creepy basement with this weird creature, they do a montage such an upbeat Christmas song as we're seeing the village square and snow and everything. And I really liked mm-hmm. that hard transition which by the way the same village square from back to the future the same ah. town everything from back to the future yep the theater oh. at the end that blows up that was the theater that marty mcfly crashed into and the same theater that burned down in back to the future three yep oh my gosh that is I, so cool when i read that i'm like wait was it really and i went and i looked at screenshots of uh, back to the future <laughs> one and three. like wow that is such a cool connection <laughs> what scenes did you guys like what what really stuck out with you so i really love the scene where the gremlins are trying to murder the mother in the kitchen and mom just takes <laughs> a knife and takes them out <laughs> puts in one of dad's the oh yeah the other thing that we need to mention uh, for those of you who haven't seen it um rand is a really terrible inventor who makes a bunch of products that that we see throughout the entire film as little moments of humor that just don't work like uh uh billy tries to make orange juice in a juicer and one little orange ends up exploding and i mean i don't know how one orange could have that much liquid but it was funny and she ends up pushing one of the uh getting one of the gremlins in dad's blender and you just see the fleet the feet flopping around <laughs> she puts one of them in the microwave and you watch it heating up and looking curious and then its head explodes it reminds me of that uh, do you remember that hamster in a blender or hamster in the microwave thing it was like uh, a, no an internet deal where you push the buttons and he would like cuss at you and get mad yeah i remember that like probably like 1999 <laughs> to 2001 and they had the frog in the blender too they had uh, also there this scene they cut down for violence because or and disturbing imagery because at one point she stabs a gremlin through the chest and originally they had they had they spent all this money on an animatronic of this poor gremlin trying to remove the knife from his chest and they cut it because that was too disturbing for kids but you can see him trying to do it in the background of the shot. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I liked it when that awful mrs i can't even think of her name got it with the electric chair the up and down mrs Mrs. yeah when she got it her that whole scene where she meets her demise just reinforced what i said the other week about how horror movies turn me into a terrible person i was cackling with glee the entire time oh my god she's such a wicked witch wannabe too i'll get that dog yeah oh totally 100 reference back to the the wizard of oz on that one um so i'm gonna deviate here a little bit 
you said it was a horror movie. Do we all think this was a horror movie? I'd call it a comedy. That's what the label says. I know it is. I know it is. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. I know. But I don't know what to call it. The, the label technically has comedy horror. Okay, I can agree with that. I felt like if there was a downgraded version of horror, that would be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like an introduction for horror for younger kids trying yeah. to the genre. Yep. Yeah. So this is how I can traumatize my child at an early age before full, going all in? And it's especially diabolical because you get reeled in with a super precious and adorable gizmo. <laughs> And, and it was downhill. supposed to be even more traumatizing because the original skip had, script had Gizmo turning into Spike. And then they decided they needed at least one good yes. Mogwai because he's cute, he'd sell. So they kept Gizmo, yes. made him a separate character. That would have been awful yeah. and terrible if they had done that. When water gets on Gizmo, he's in pain and these little furballs pop out. Tribbles. Tribbles. They're tribbles. Tribbles. They total, they're totally <laughs> These tribbles pop out, and they become new gremlins. Only the second generation of them all have an evil streak that Gizmo does not. It's the whole you can't make a copy of a copy kind of, right? Like it's not, which is not a copy of a copy, but I think it's that idea. Yeah. Gizmo is like pure, and the duplicates are not. From the get-go, they're just bad. Yeah, yeah, they are. I, I, okay, but I like the design of the when they become the gremlins. Like, I like that contrast between Gizmo and Spike. I thought both of their designs are really, really good. Spike's mm-hmm. Mohawk. <laughs> yeah, Mohawk, totally. So, so you know he's bad. You know he's bad. He has a Mohawk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a fluffy white Mohawk. <laughs> a scene I really did not like. I hated the bar scene. Yeah. The one with Neil at the beginning? No. No, 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 no. When all the gremlins go to the bar. Oh. And they're harassing Kate. And she's, for whatever reason, serving these gremlins. Still serving them drinks? (laughs) Like, they're obviously not going to pay you. You leave. Right. (laughs) Make them get their own drinks. Where did they get gremlin-sized wigs? Like the one at the the poker table with a wig and makeup, perfect lipstick? It, it was a yeah. that was a stretch. They were trying to be too sticky for me, and it and it failed miserably. So can we talk about Kate for a moment? Because hands down, she has the most depressing Santa Claus story ever. <laughs> that is in my favorite quotes, but not because it's a favorite. <laughs> me too. Like <laughs> it was in the script, and they wanted to cut it, but the director fought to keep it. Steven Spielberg didn't like it because he didn't know if it was supposed to be funny or sad. I'll read it. I'll read it. (laughs) So she's talking to um, Billy. Billy. She's talking to Billy about why she doesn't really like Christmas and uh, (laughs) has has trouble believing in uh, Santa Claus. And she start with, uh, can you set the scene, like where they are and then what she says to, to get Billy to ask the question? What does she say? They're all in there and she's like, they go into the school and they're, they're trying to track down and he's obviously wreaked havoc. And um, she says, go down here. Like I said, I have a lot of notes. Now I have another reason to hate Christmas. And Billy says, what are you talking about? And then she says, the worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh, God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and mom were decorating the tree, waiting for dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. So mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went and still nothing. So the police began... Sorry. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. So I went to try to light up the fire. That's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead they pulled out my... <laughs> and, instead, and instead they pulled out my father. He was... He was... He was... <laughs> 
He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He, <laughs> he slipped and broke his neck. He died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. I'm sorry. I'm that's, that's how I took it, too. I thought we were supposed to find it kind of ridiculous and funny, not... <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, for boy. any aspiring theater students out there if you want to do that as a monologue good luck getting through it without laughing <laughs> <laughs> I would pay to see a dramatic interpretation of that for, for theater <laughs> despite her sop story though I liked I really did like the character of Kate <laughs> she was pitiful mm-hmm. she was cute. I just felt bad for her in every interaction like until she found her courage at the end how did you like the neighbors who live next door to Billy, who uh, the guy is obsessed with his American-made car and <laughs> gremlins drove it through the house? <laughs> he was obsessed with, well, he was the same guy who was obsessed with gremlins, right? Yeah. Who was but, talking about them while he was drunk at the beginning? Yeah. 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 And he's like, gremlins in my cab. <laughs> and the, okay, so when the cops get it, they're He's telling them, they're like, oh, but there's a freak accident with a, with a snowplow in his house? <laughs> I don't know how that accidentally turns on and drives through a house and crushes somebody. So what is with cops in Christmas horror movies? Because they were as useless as the cops in Black Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, inept cops. But the neighbor was in your favorite movie ever, Julia. He was the coach in Greece. <laughs> was he really? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> any other favorite scenes anybody likes i liked um, the um so didn't spielberg do goonies yes so i like how at least in these two instances you have a family that's very close-knit um with a somewhat inept inventor <laughs> included. So in Goonies, you have Data and Data and his dad are both inventors. And you see that really well when they reunite at the end. The whole time you see that Data is an inventor. He's got all these quirky little inventions and half the time they don't work that great. And at the end, his dad pulls out a quirky invention that doesn't work that great. So I kind of liked that. I love Goonies. Um, and... That made me think about this, probably the Spielberg thing also. But I liked how the mom and the son weren't put off by the dad's failures, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That they – you didn't get that feeling at all that they were – I don't know. No. Yeah, it it wasn't negative at all. They were a little frustrated, but, but they loved him and you could tell that. And that made me very happy. Yeah, me too. It would have been the easy cliche route to have him be them be frustrated with him, like to be right. you know view him as a failure, right? Which he was. <laughs> yes, but but they loved but him. A failure <laughs> surrounded by support. Exactly. I so I really I really liked the end of this movie. Um, if we're talking about favorite scenes, there. Uh, Billy and Gizmo's goodbye. Oh. I just thought thought it was very sweet. Gizmo was so sweet at that point. Oh. Yeah. Um, I like the homage they had to other movies, like um, Phone Home reference. When Spike Mm -hmm. tells her, Phone Home. Oh, and when they show at the beginning of the film, when they show the, the movie theater... It has two movies on there. One is A Boy's Life and one is Watch the Skies, which were the working titles for E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hey, that's cool. That's really neat. I could have sworn, too, one of the signs looked like the radioactive sign that you see in Back to the Future when Marty McFly is in the yellow radiation suit and he gets out. I don't know. That made me think of Back to the Future. Huh. And I was trying to find these things because I knew it was Spielberg. And I'm like, he has to have dropped Easter it eggs. Could have been, it could have been uh, intentional, especially since it was shot in the back of the future town and everything. Yep. Right. So did uh, you know that they initially tried to get monkeys and masks to play the gremlins? And 
the animal went crazy and tore apart their office and desiccated everywhere. <laughs> they decided on this puppet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In fairness, genius idea to get a monkey since they're little troublemakers, but I don't know how they thought they could control them. How can we get a monkey? Let's put a monkey in a helmet. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to turn out well. Um, So you're speaking of Steven Spielberg's Christmas eggs, one of Chris Columbus's, just like in Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, On the TV, they had It's a Wonderful Life playing. (laughs) Good old It's a Wonderful Life. We're gonna have to cover that movie. I think Definitely. that has to be saved for around Christmas time. Something I think we should do it next year. Nineteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier how uh, Gizmo was originally intended to turn into Stripe. They initially thought he wouldn't be in the movie very much. They designed the puppet not as functional as all the gremlins. So this poor animatronic kept breaking down on set, frustrating filmmakers. So. Uh, the scene where they hang him on a dartboard and throw darts at him came from a list of filmmakers drew up called horrible things to do to gizmo list because uh, <laughs> they hated that puppet so much. <laughs> so they just had a list of ways for the good ones to torture. The puppets were eighties awful, weren't they? They were. <laughs> like, did you guys watch that show dinosaurs? Yes. I watched a single episode of it and then swore never to make that mistake again. Really? Did you watch it as a kid? Obnoxious. No, I hated it. Was it it the ending where they went extinct? (gasps) Uh, Seriously? Well, it ended with uh, the Ice Age basically happening and snow falling and because of a big chemical plant, basically their own doing. And they're all like in the house saying, are we going to be okay? Yeah. And then as the snow is piling up on the ground outside and that's how it ended. That's how the show ended? (laughs) Yes. Sick. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> that is awful. Something about the Mogwai, maybe it was their eyes, reminded me of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I can see that. The, oh, totally. The eyelids. Yeah. Shuddering kind of reminded me of so, them. Furby had to be inspired by these things, right? It had, had to, be. to be. They're Furbies. Yeah. yeah, had to be. Our dog Tucker, when he was a baby, when he was a baby, when he was a puppy, Everybody said he looked like a, a like like Gizmo. That was almost his name. He looked just like Gizmo. So cute. So Marty was called Gizmo for a while after this movie came out because his brothers all thought he looked like Gizmo. <laughs> you should start calling. You should bring it back. I told him. He told me that earlier, and I'm like, um, like that's coming up tonight. I'm like, tonight. <laughs> and he's like, all right. That would be a cool so thing to have, though. I think it would be. I think it's cool compared to what you could be called. Uh, But growing up when I had a Furby, because those things went off in all hours of the night, like when I was really young and had one. They made noises? They talked. They were motion activated. Oh, I never had one. My dad always warned me, don't feed it after midnight, because that thing would wake up on all hours (laughs) of the night, like begging for food. (laughs) You had to feed it? Well, yeah, Was yeah. It like they, a Tamagotchi pet, but but basically, like yeah, later you stuck, your, you stuck your finger in its mouth, and it would like nibble on your finger. Ugh, it's horrifying. <laughs> hey, Furbies are terrifying. Have you ever seen them without their skin on? The exoskeleton, they're terrifying. No, I've never skinned a Furby. Well, it must be big. Oh, they are terrifying. <laughs> oh, they are so scary. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're basically what Furby would morph into if you fed him after midnight, probably. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, that's a thing nightmares are made of right there. <laughs> anyway, I think we should move on to the question. Do you guys think this is a Christmas movie? Okay. <laughs> For the Christmas feels, the vibes, all that, I do. But the story itself is not Christmas. There's no overarching Linus moment. This is a great, awesome family when we start, and they're a great, awesome family when we end. There's no real growth from this. As much as I don't want to, I have to say maybe. 
<laughs> I'm going with a hard no <laughs> for all those same reasons. And I keep using Die Hard as sort of a litmus test for movies like this. What I was missing here was exactly what that whole Linus moment, right? Like how you said they're a good family to start off with and they end up as a good family. Like John McClane realized, you know, he put his priorities straight and he sacrificed his life to do it. And it was Christmas season. And I don't feel like this movie allowed for that. So while it was beautiful scenery wise, and it did give me the happy Christmas feels, it was not a Christmas movie to me. What I hear is Julia going, saying, I wanted a dysfunctional family and they let me down. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted them to be horrible to the father. That's what's so funny, though, is I'm so glad they weren't. Right? Like, that made me really happy, but not happy enough to think it's a Christmas movie. You know what so I mean? I'm, go I'm going with a hard yes, it is. For exactly the same reasons you are. It has as much Christmas for me as in Die Hard. In terms of the scenery, it takes place at Christmas. It doesn't have the Linus moment, but a lot of the movies we covered on our list that are Christmas movies don't have Linus moments, including Muppets Family Christmas, which landed in our top 10, which we said that's the first Chris one of the first overtly Christmas movies we had that didn't have it. So yeah. I'm going to argue it didn't need the Linus moment to be a Christmas movie. It had everything else. And I'm going to say, yes, it was. So, 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 we, so we fell with a yes, a no, and a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no conclusive anything that we can add to this. Nothing. <laughs> well, we, have, we did ask our listeners. Mm. But they didn't help us on Facebook. We, well, okay. So well, were we Splitsville on Facebook? 50-50. Between... Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and Instagram, we had 135 people weigh in. And the total consensus was 85 people say, yes, it's a Christmas movie, and 50 people say, no, it's not. Uh -huh. Wow. So according to our listeners, it is a Christmas movie. I just have a really hard time with this one. I, I'm having a hard time landing, even with... Um, Okay, let's ask this. Do you think it's more Christmas than Batman Returns? Yes, but Batman Returns was woefully not Christmas. Yeah, I would say it's more Christmas than Batman Returns. See, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think it was 59% said yes, right? You said 85 of them? 85 across all of our social media said yes. 50 said no. Okay, that's 60. I found myself also comparing it to Krampus while I was watching it, since we have a small amount of Christmas type horror scary films. Um, and I, I think if you even take the Santa part out of Krampus, the way that the family grows through it, it's undeniable that Krampus is a Christmas movie. It's Krampus the growth no, that was lacking for me. But I feel like what? Krampus was made to be a christmas movie right right it was i mean it is a lot i mean a, a lot not a perfect comparison but if we're talking about underlying family growth that's what was missing for me that's it now all that to say i will probably watch this movie around christmas every year like i'm gonna make it a point to do that now because it was a yeah. lot of fun um and the scenery is on point and it had some really good holiday stuff really good christmas stuff in it See, and where I landed on it was, this is going to be an October movie for me. Oh, really? That's where I landed. I was like, this is going to be an October movie for me. Well, I'm going to be contrary and say, this is going to be a November movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the horror aspect. It gives me something fun that's innocent and, and good to watch during October. Like a, a good Halloween movie you can watch with the family. Mm -hmm. See, I wouldn't cons I consider this more Christmas than horror for me. I see it as a build up to Christmas for me. Mm -hmm. It's like a transition period, you know. Yeah, I mean, most of the parts of the Gremlins have nothing to do with Christmas, aside from trying to strangle her with tinsel, and I mean stuff like that a lot. Most of the bulk of the of the Gremlins uh, stuff, like the bar scene, which I didn't like. Um, the movie, the movie, nothing to do with Christmas. Oh, um, the dog looked beautiful strung up in lights. Oh, the dog looked beautiful. <laughs> that what you said? <laughs> the dog looked beautiful strung up in Christmas lights. Afterwards. That was really upsetting to me. <laughs> that, that was upsetting to me, too. But Wasn't the way that? they had him 
the way they had him, he was like safe. He wasn't like in danger. And that's well, no, no, I don't mean like the filming. I'm sure he was fine with filming. I mean, just like thinking about, I know the gremlins were the ones that were the gremlins the ones that did it. Yes. I assume it was the gremlins. Because he was in in that shelf giggling. Oh, right. 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 But I don't know. I was just that. I didn't like that. (laughs) It was very uneasy. I really liked that dog. He was, uh, I loved when he hopped over the bank counter when Mrs. Deets or whatever her name was yeah. was complaining about him and he broke her snowman's head. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really good actor, dog. He was. Gremlins were watching, they were watching Snow White, which they commented on. Snow White was a Christmas release Disney movie. Okay. All right. I wondered. They had really I don't fun. like Snow White, by the way. My least favorite Disney movie of all time. Did you like I the don't like any of the old no, I don't like any Disney of them. movies. I like the dwarf. I hate Cinderella. I hate Sleeping Beauty. I hate Snow White. Oh, I love Cinderella. I love Sleeping Beauty. I hate I hate Snow White. The dwarves are so cute, though. I love Dopey and Grumpy. I like them all. I like seeing them. I like seeing them all. Dopey, Grumpy, Papa Smurf, all of them. <laughs> 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 oh. Um, so favorite quotes? Yes, I have a few. Go ahead, Anthony. You've already read one of them that was amazing. <laughs> I already read one that had me in stitches. I should make you um, read it again. <laughs> <laughs> I liked when Kate said, you say you hate Washington's birthday or Thanksgiving and nobody cares, but you say you hate Christmas and people treat you like you're a leper. Anthony, look at this. These are my first two favorite quotes I have. I'm screenshotting this to you. Like, we are so on the same page tonight. That makes two weeks in a row. What is going on with us? I don't know. But yeah, those are my two first quotes I had. Um, I love that quote. And she's right. When you say you hate Christmas, I treat you like a leper. Me too. (laughs) I don't trust somebody who doesn't love Christmas. So I thought it was hilarious when the dad was at that conference and he is on the phone talking to his wife and that Robbie the robot is behind him on the other side of the booth and he's <laughs> it's like the most random thing ever you just hear snippets of what he says and he goes sorry miss I was giving myself an oil job this question is totally without meaning pardon me sir stuff thick and heavy would 60 gallons be sufficient <laughs> I rarely use it myself, sir. It promotes rest. <laughs> because every time the dad said something, he would respond to it. Man, it made me laugh. And I'm sure it's supposed to be completely inappropriate, but I thought it was funny. This isn't so much a favorite quote as something that really annoyed me. When Mrs. Deagle goes in and she tells Billy, I want your dog. Billy goes, I had that one too. I just sorry, right. It was on her same page. Anyway, go on. She goes, give him to me. I'll take him to the kennel. They'll put him to sleep. It'll be quick and painless compared to what I would do to him. Billy decides to provoke her and says, what could you do? I'll catch the beast myself. He'll get what he deserves. A slow, painful death. Maybe I'll put him in my spin dryer on high heat. Then some random guy listening just says, that would do it all right. Like, who's going to sit by and listen to a woman (laughs) tell a teenage kid that she wants to put his dog in a dryer and agree with her? Yep, that would do the trick. Like, nobody called this lady out at all. Nowadays, I'd be live streaming that to Facebook and being like, keep talking, lady. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> um, I like, monetize YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I like when uh, at the end, the grandfather comes to get uh, Gizmo and he said, you do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. But I like how he left it open that maybe one day you will be. Yes. So he's because Gizmo is obviously sad to leave Billy, mm-hmm. and Billy's sad to see Gizmo go. And I have another one. If no one else has any, I just had foam home caca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he why Spike kept saying caca. <laughs> <laughs> 
I liked, um, well, that's the story. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz or your washing machine blows up or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. That neighbor was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Julie, any more from you? Nope, I'm out. All right, let's rank this puppy. Every week I struggle, and every week I should I say going in I should know in advance, so I'm going to rank it, and I never do. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a six point nine. It lost point one. I gave Die Harder seven. It lost a point one because of no line this moment. But otherwise, it's just as much of a Christmas movie, and to me, and I had just as much fun with it. I'm going with a five point one. I'm going with a seven and a half, which brings us in at 6.267. 6.267, which that puts it at number 14 on our list between wow. Rise of the Guardians and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow. Nice. Much higher than I was expecting. I like it. I like it. Well, for those of y'all that took time out of your days to contribute to our poll this week, talking about whether you thought this was a Christmas movie or not. Thank you. We love it when people interact with us on social media. Um, If you want to participate in future polls, you can do that on Twitter. Find us at Tis the Pod. You can do that on Facebook, Tis the Podcast. We're on Instagram at Tis the Podcast. We are on Reddit at r slash Tis the Podcast. Our list is on our website, tisthepodcast.com, and you can check stuff out there as well. Um, We love to hear from you. We're going to have weekly questions that we will definitely encourage you to interact with us on. So the weeks leading up to Christmas are going to be extremely exciting. So for our question of the week, I've picked a question from Adam Seabun. He said, where would the ghost of Christmas past take you and where would the ghost of Christmas future take you? We discussed this a little bit beforehand and we decided that we're not looking at this as though we've merited a Scrooge experience with these. It's a positive experience for us. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So my next question, is this within our lifetime or the past? Does that have to be within our lifetime or is it an historical anywhere i would say it has to be in our life because that's what the ghosts do right they show you part of your life okay that's not just just my opinion i don't know where julie stands on that yeah yeah i think so i mean even though with scrooge it did a little bit step out of bounds of his life did it, it wasn't by much well yeah he's dead at the end oh with future right, he's right. dead right but he's not like he's not even cold yet so no but in the past it was totally him yes yeah okay I would want to go back and see my first Christmas married with my wife. We had our house. We had a really simple life, nothing complicated. Um, We just have very fond memories of our early Christmases together. And I would like to see that. Now, later in life, I would definitely say I'd want to go back and see some of the Christmases from Ellie's childhood. Those have been magical, but I'm still experiencing those. So that's more of a Christmas present thing for me. Uh, I'm going to go a little macabre here on the ghost of Christmas future. Um, There's always this fear now as a parent of a little FOMO, something happening and missing out on our kids' lives, right? Like if something happens to us, um, the fear that our child will grow up without us. Um, I would really like to see one of my last Christmases in the future and see just have that rest assured that my daughter and my wife are okay and taken care of and um, just give myself that peace of mind and see my family gathered around together. That's where I would go. I think for Christmas past, I would go back to Christmas 2011, which was my grandfather's last Christmas alive. And I just remember that even though he was battling cancer, it wasn't really bad yet. So it was a really fun time. The whole family was there. And, but it was his last Christmas, and it's bittersweet. And I would just like to go back and experience that one last time because it's the last Christmas we were all together for as a family. And uh, Christmas future, I guess I would like a glimpse later in life uh, when I have children and grandchildren to seeing what kind of family me and Sarah 
created and what we're experiencing in the future together as a family, what kind of new traditions we have and who we have around our dinner table and around our tree and stuff, just to see the life that's in store for us. Mm-hmm. How about you, Julia? Uh, so my past, I would go back about 20, 20 some odd years, 25 years to where we would have family Christmases with my dad's side of the family, my grandma on that side in Magnolia, Arkansas. Um, she had a tree where she had handmade every ornament on it, 225 ornaments she'd made. She was a child of the depression and all of that. So she handmade everything and putting it together every year was an event and it was so much fun. And I miss that. So I would definitely do that for a past experience for future. Um, a lot like Anthony's I'm excited for Christmases when, all of our kids are grown, but they come back home with their spouses and hopefully their kids and, and all of that. And just to experience how different that will be in, in good ways, I would imagine just as, just as many as potentially bad ways. <laughs> I'm sure we'll always be a little sentimental about what it was like when our babies were babies. But I think the benefit is having the babies as having grandbabies as babies as you get all the fun and none of the responsibility, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so for next week. I don't have to be the bad guy. <laughs> exactly. Sure, you can have all the dessert you want. Don't worry about eating dinner. <laughs> <laughs> we're having that fun right now where we're trying to explain to Ellie, like if we have crackers or chips with soup, that the crackers or chips are not the dinner. You have to eat your soup. <laughs> <laughs> and it really makes no sense to a two and a half year old brain. And I'm looking for I am looking forward to the day where I could be the grandfather and just let them eat what they want. Let them do what they want. That's not my problem. Um, I did see another question that was asked that I think would be fun next week. If you guys don't have any that you would uh, prefer in mind and that's which, which foreign Christmas traditions would you like to see come here or introduce into your family? Hmm. That's a good one. That is a good one. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. So we want to know your answers to that question and the question we just answered um, via the social media, as Julia just told you about a few uh, minutes ago. <clears throat> and if you want more to the podcast content, you can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the podcast, where for as little as a dollar per month, you can get access to full length bonus episodes. We have a few up there right now, including some, Halloween themed ones if you're in the mood for something a little uh, spooky for spooky season we have an episode on Hocus Pocus and the office Halloween episodes and we have other Christmas stuff up there too and we have some great content coming up we have the friends Thanksgiving episode coming up for Thanksgiving and uh, we're going to be covering new Christmas music and commercials and lots of fun stuff before year's end so check out Patreon if you want so next week, we're pretty excited. We're discussing the um, TV show Supernaturals, A Very Supernatural Christmas. And we're going to be joined by Joanna Wilson. For those of you who don't know her, she's written uh, the books, The Triple Dog Dare, Watching and Surviving the 24-Hour Marathon of a Christmas Story, The Story of Archie and the Talking Snowman, and Akron's History of Christmas Attractions, Merry Musical Christmas, Volume 1, The Best of Christmas Music in TV, Sitcoms, and Dramas. Tis the Season TV, the encyclopedia of Christmas-themed episodes, specials, and made-for-TV movies, and the Christmas TV companion, a guide to cult classics, strange specials, and outrageous oddities. She's been featured in the New York Times and Real Story of Christmas on the History Channel and TV Guide Network's 25 Most Hilarious TV Moments. She also contributes to ChristmasTVHistory.com and runs Tis the Season TV. That's a mouthful. This woman is quite accomplished. I feel pretty lucky that we got her to come on our show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be excited. And for um, those wondering who haven't seen the Supernatural episode and want to look it up, it's season three, episode eight. It used to be on Netflix. I think Netflix just removed Supernatural, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere online. And then in two weeks, we're returning to Rankin Bass, which should bring quite a few of our listeners who have been asking for Rankin Bass some joy. And we're going to be watching the Christmas classic, The Year Without a Santa Claus. So I'm excited for two weeks from now because that kicks off our two months of classic Christmas movies. Can't believe we're just close enough to well, be here again. 
we are only 1,536 hours until Christmas. It's only 64 days. Which is only nine weeks. <laughs> We're in single-digit weeks. Uh, as of our, the next time we record, we're within two months. Good grief. Can I, proud parent moment? Yes. It's officially 10 weeks from tonight, by the way, when we're recording. <gasps> officially. Woohoo. Oh my goodness. Proud parent, proud parent moment. Go. Ethan has been chomping at the bit to start decorating for Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, success. <laughs> Ethan just so, followed me on Instagram. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. That's adorable. We are starting to get our Christmas stuff out. I'm reading, I'm prepping to do some Christmas articles. Where's my other one? I am reading three books I'll share with you guys. One is Monastery Journey to Christmas. Ooh. Um, it's by some, Bene- uh, some uh, Byzantine Catholic monks. They do really good stuff. The Winter Pascha, the winter, which is a book. That's beautiful. Tom Hopko. And a coming Christ in Advent. So I'm excited. I've been, lis- I've been listening to Christmas music already, but like orchestral stuff to get me through the day at work, just like soft background music. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> there is a particular track from a movie that we're covering later this year, Santa Claus the movie, that just has the best Christmas mix. And it's used to YouTube it. It's called Christmas Rhapsody. And it's the perfect melody of all the classic Christmas songs. And it's during the scene where Santa flies for the first time in that movie. And it's, oh, I've been listening to, I could listen to it on repeat. It's so good. So do your homework, watch Supernatural s- Christmas and get ready to watch A Year Without a Santa Claus. Be sure to check out our social medias, answer our questions so that we can talk about you on the air. And we will be back next week. Bye guys. Bye.